0: Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts.
1: G'day and welcome to an extra Yankee Doodle Dandy edition of Thrash and Treasure, the torture chamber musical comedy podcast that's Azza, Mary Ken as Apple Pie, Apple Bottom Jeans and Celeb Babies Named Apple. And speaking of Azza... And I'm joined as Red, White and Blue Jewel by two Americans for the price of one. He's our TNT little brother, but don't tell him he's really adopted. It's Spencer, the Broadway spy. Aaron. Hi, Spencer. Or howdy, I should say. Plus, we're joined as usual by a literal Roselle between us two thorny bitches who's joining us to put his pedals to the metal. Ew, get a roo. But will it leave him wilted and pruned or a budding metalhead because he's New York City's slickest cabaret star and he's bringing the whore to culture? It's Robbie Roselle. Yay. Welcome to
0: the Torture Chamber. How are you going? Thank you so much for having me. That's all right. No, thank you for doing this. Happy 4th? Happy 4th? I don't know. Are we celebrating? I'm not.
1: In 52 minutes, it will be July 4th in Australia. Uh, But speaking of which, anyways, guess what? What? We're celebrating a birthday, David, today. And after 129,907,499 minutes, how do you measure the year in the life of an independent woman? And since we only have 90 minutes, we're making like any good American election and rushing it. So without further ado, let's say a huge patriotic g'day and a happy birthday, you old bitch, to hold glory and the star-spangled men who stand behind them Robbie will get that one. Spencer, cover your ears and open your eyes to the skies as Will Smith and Adam Baldwin save us from the aliens, but who will save us from the United States of America? Yay! That's really... Okay, for the listeners at home, we planned this episode literally 24 hours ago. Robbie has been an episode angel and stepped in because the next episode will be episode 98. The guest is from a movie that was released on the day it's dropping in 1998. I go on about my OCD all the time and numerical and things have to line up and... and, makes sense and stuff like that so Robbie thank you so much for stepping in at the last minute to do this episode so we can put out a proper July 4th episode
0: it's a pleasure I'm so sorry it's so late where you are
1: no 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 this is this is my hour very much at the moment like I've just had a, a week or so off and I was just napping whenever so I don't even know what day it is (laughs) anyways um no it's it's funny we should be celebrating america's freedoms and independence today only a couple of days after so many freedoms have been taken away from people god bless america
0: honestly i feel like if the queen oh she said sorry if the king wants to bring us back from this rum springer we've been on (laughs) for the last couple hundred years i am fine with that i'll even call camilla queen i don't care i'm done with this
1: yeah crazy crazy times don't worry anyways i love america i'm wearing actually a baltimore t-shirt today
2: what an odd city to represent (laughs) just a big
0: hairspray fan over there
1: yeah yes i guess john waters i saw it in etage and oh "Oh, john waters i have to get this and i've had it for like 20 years it's
0: got holes in it and everything anyways (laughs)
1: We're gonna move on. You've just had your show. How did it go?
0: Um. Yeah. I. Uh, I just premiered a new show here called Bring Me Giants, um, at Birdland, and uh, you know, for the first time doing it, I would say eighty percent great. Um, I, you know, when you're inside of it, you don't. You've no idea what it looks like, so I'm just right. Yeah. When, but when you when I get video, whatever, I did just put a trio up on Instagram. My bass player arranged an incredible sort of version of the Lloyd Webber love trio, but all Jason Robert Brown songs.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it was great. Okay. Um, and now it's sort of like, okay, what's next? I wait for reviews, and then I figure out what's next with it. That's
1: it. Now, I, um, you might have seen me react there when you said when you're in it, you don't know mm-hmm. how it goes. Yeah. A little context for our listeners. Recently, we posted an episode with David Newman, mm-hmm. legendary film composer, right? Now, after every recording, as soon as the guest leaves, I turn to my co-host and say, how did that go? Because I don't friggin' know. I was in it. I was driving that train. I don't. Was the guest laughing? Were they having a good time? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not paying attention. I'm I'm listening and I am paying attention. But you know what I mean. Like I'm I'm in it. That's why I I rely on a co-host for that. After the David Newman, I, I was like, "Whoa, that was so amazing! I can't believe the story he was telling." And I said to Spencer, "Wow, that went so well." And he goes, "Well, I'm glad you think that." what Spencer? Oh my Godfathers, Right. And, and so I've gone from, Whoa, that's, you know, that was so good. Even though like, usually I I'm not in it. Like, you know I mean, I'm in it. Like I, I can't tell that time I could tell. Cause I was so fascinated the whole time listening to his stories. So the whole time editing that episode, Spencer was in my head the whole time. He even said to me, he goes, Oh, he didn't talk much. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> Look at the audio. I had The audio there, I could hear the episode, I listened to it over, I watched the video. I knew it wasn't bad, I knew it was brilliant. But Spencer, with his, well I'm glad you think that, put that freaking paranoia in my head that, oh god, we're putting out a a meteoric episode with this legendary film composer. And so when David Zippel the other day publicly turned around and said the episode was stellar, I had to screenshot that and show Spencer and I'm like, ha, thank you, finally I can now relax.
2: Now now, granted, Aaron, I did listen to the episode and thought it was a really good episode after it came out. Thank you. <laughs> you got in my head. Which is rare for me because I don't listen to podcasts, funnily enough, even though I make two of them. Yes. <laughs> um and and Aaron knows this and it frustrates him to no end.
1: Well, I'd rather you listen to this one because you're in it, but okay, go on. Well, I don't even <laughs> listen to my own. Yeah, I know. And that frustrates me too. You got to listen to what you're putting out. But anyway, sorry. But yeah,
2: so (laughs) I finally listened to it and it was such a good episode.
1: Wasn't it? Wasn't it? This is an example, Spencer, of you weren't in it because you were so tired. You had had two recordings that, you know, you were still coming down from. You had a rehearsal to get to. So it was just a matter of you weren't in it. But I'll tell you what you got in my head. You can ask one of our listeners who I'm actually going to bring up soon. I'm like, bloody hell, Spencer has gotten in my head. It's my job, isn't it? no <laughs> anyways we cannot move on so i just wanted to bring that up for context to anyone who heard that episode and thought wow this is such a good episode it caused me a lot of drama let's just say that anyways robbie this is your episode oh technically it's america's episode but you are a guest of honor today any experience with metal heavy metal glam metal new metal death metal thrush metal i i
0: definitely metal. had a stepbrother brother who played a lot of metallica and megadeth and stuff like that so i always heard it from the next room me as a human no not really
1: no no there you go so well we'll get to the album choice shortly now (laughs) so you do know a little bit about american metal bands yes
2: absolutely positively nothing
1: oh i thought you did oh okay well anyways the listener i just mentioned before i know
2: nothing about metal you knew this
1: i do okay well that's why you're on this show well, I thought you have friends that listen to metal and you're always saying, well, that's not like the metal I've heard.
2: I have friends, but I don't listen to them when they talk about it. Well, okay. I thought you might've heard stuff.
1: All right. Anyways, I asked the listener at Aussie Music Fan, friend of the show who listens regularly to all the episodes. He's very excited about the episode that's dropping, episode 97, which he thinks is gonna be because I haven't told him we got an emergency recording in. So anyways, um, okay. So I asked Andrew... Who were his top 10 American metal bands? Because I thought this is July 4th. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it was like squeezing blood out of a stone. Because he's like, oh, none of the bands are like or American. But I didn't want to tell him what it was for. So I'm just, I'm just like, well, just entertain the idea. And you sort of name a couple. I'm like, what about in a top 10 list? So Andrew, thank you very much for putting together this list. And number 10 is Body Count, which in my opinion should be higher. Number nine, a band called Agalock sounds like you're trying to clear your throat. Uh, Number eight is Pantera. Number seven is System of a Down. Number six is Slayer, and number five is Mastodon, which is where everyone went this week when Twitter was down. Number four is Metallica, who everyone loves. Number three is a band called Sabotage. S a v a t a g e number two is mr bungle who i know and number one is death clock who we've covered on this show so for listeners at home i have no idea about half of those bands but we'll cover them in the upcoming weeks just to uh, learn who they are i've circled I, I don't know three of them robbie
0: what would be in your ultimate rock star writer
1: craziest over the top
0: oh that's so funny because you know as a touring artist with very heavy air quotes, because <laughs> I played that one gig out of country. Personally, I don't ask for much. I like that my band is taken care of. Uh, that's very important to me. But the craziest rock star writer, I don't, I don't know, like put water on stage for me. I'm so easy, so easy. I know a lot of people who are not, and I try not to emulate that.
1: Yeah, no, that's fine. We, we want you to, though. We, we don't want water as an answer.
0: Oh,
2: damn it. Well, because look, Aaron, as someone who has had a rider before. Yeah. It, that's what you ask for. I mean, like. Yeah, but that's like standard. We're not asking for standard. We're asking for crazy, like hours that juggle. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> my, my crazy answer to it is just a larger bottle of water. That's my crazy answer is a larger bottle of water. I want
0: oh. a pool with a straw
1: yes that'd be fun There used to be an ad where there was a pool of milk and a woman jumped in it i think it was like for yes and it pulled back and it was a bar of soap oh this before i was alive Aaron. oh like 30 years ago mate yeah much before you're alive yeah it was soap i believe but right before you realized it was soap you're like oh that looks really delicious and you're like no that's the sort of shit you get when you swear and your mum washes your mouth out with soap. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on to the metal album now. And I picked it completely blind. Oh. And as I tweeted yesterday, I uh, have a feeling Spencer is going to re- relinquish my metal album choosing rights at some point. I based this on Searching for America on Spotify. A band called Grateful Dead sounded metally, mm-hmm. Plus better than the current state of the usa which is filled with the ungrateful living anyways gonna on. spencer
2: you reviewed this album yeah first of all this is not metal grateful dead is not metal it's not at all no Nothing i'm sorry grateful. i didn't
1: know i didn't know
2: no this was know. great best to keep going in this direction with your album choices i don't care if they're metal or not this is like i love grateful dead they're full-on like funk jam band stuff i i've dug their stuff for a while. They're certainly the precursor to a lot of bands that I like, like a band like Snarky Puppy, that sort of thing. It's like very much in that vein. So I dug this album a lot, uh, very funky. I loved this album. Um, Super Magnolia, the, the third song, was probably my favorite. That's funny. I called it Sweet Magnolia.
1: You've called it Super. What do you call it, Robbie? <laughs> Is it Sugar?
0: Is it Sugar Magnolia? oh my god it is
1: yeah oh it does say sugar magnolia. <laughs> I know, right? ah! i've written literally written sweet sorry guy i've written magnolias as well because the steel magnolias Anyway, i liked
2: uh, uh till the morning comes also i mean it was just like it was a great record loved this record
0: yeah it's really great to sit through and listen to they're they're definitely like a folk and this album specifically is very folk and sort of country inspired and I was a little like, oh, God, I don't know. It's going to be loud for a morning. It was so great. I really enjoyed it.
1: Sorry, it was an accident.
0: It really was. You did well.
1: Well, I, okay. I'm proud of you. I'm not. Turns out you can't judge a band by their name, and I'm looking at you, the killers. Um, <laughs> maybe their latest stuff gets heavier. I don't know, but I will check it out.
2: No, no Grateful Dead isn't uh, really a heavy band. They're, they're a jam oh, band. It. They're just all mm-hmm. funk i'll funk all day
1: i read it there's a term for it isn't like a jar band
2: it's a jam band
1: no there's a term for it hang on no that's
2: the term for it
1: eric no it's not i was looking hang on why am i looking up the beatles because it was they wanted to not be the beatles but there was a particular term for it that i've heard before who are they called grateful dead oh the album was american beauty which was how i come to this album it was by searching america Okay, hang on. There is a particular thing. It's jam band. A jug band. A jug band.
2: It's not a jam band. It's a jug oh, band. Oh, jug.
0: Sure. Like Emma Otter's jug band Christmas.
2: It wouldn't really call them technically a jug band. That's what it's... Wikipedia,
1: whether we know this, whether it's right or wrong, who knows?
0: Yeah. I don't see Jerry Garcia blowing into, like, a, one of those big yeah. <laughs> jugs.
1: Oh, is that what a jug band is? Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. yeah. If you watch the seminal... Non-classic Emmett Otter's Jug band Christmas, which is a Jim Henson Christmas special. It's so sweet and charming and definitely not the Grateful Dead, who they were like very much like an acid trip sort of band. Right? Like LSC, I feel like. Yeah.
2: And not were. I mean, they're, they're still touring. Mm. They're still going.
0: Oh, right. But it's called now the Grateful Dead experience because yeah, so many of them are no longer with us sure
2: (laughs) them calling themselves the grateful Dead experience is like how the beach boys are touring and it's just like one guy from original and like john stamos is also there
0: for some reason
1: oh john stamos has been with them for 30 years
0: well somebody's got to play drums sometimes in between acting gigs i guess it's it's kind of like menudo right people just come and go cycle through them yeah
1: oh a little river band how there's lrb in australia which that's not the official little river band anymore the official little river band is a bunch of americans touring america using the name and the copyright and the trademark and all that jazz but the original guys aren't allowed to use it
2: oh yeah well it's like with with sticks also it's it's like two of the original guys and then dennis deyoung tours as dennis deyoung
1: yeah or how John Davies, and I can't remember the other people, they tour as the real Millie Vanilli. Anyways, on that note, let's move on. Um, That's yeah, I can- hilarious. Thank you. Um, as a metal album, I give this two stars because clearly it's not metal. But as a chilled out summer stoner rock album, it is perfect for July 4th. So I give it four stars on that count. However, I give zero stars to me <laughs> because this wasn't metal. This wasn't heavy metal. This was psychedelic rock, stoner rock. At that, Mm -hmm. it it got great reviews at the time. Like, it got, like, A- and five stars and and stuff like that.
0: And I think it went double platinum, which is huge.
1: Yeah. I I just thought in in a couple of moments, it was a little bit boring, possibly because I wasn't in that headspace of chilling out on a lawn on July 4th in the sun, listening to this with a whatever the stoners do. I think that's where it let itself down a little bit, that I just, in a a way, it kind of was a little slow. I would have liked more psychedelic, which is a problem I have with a lot of prog rock we've done. But yeah, what would you give it out of five, Robbie?
0: Oh, I would probably give it four and a half it was highly listenable i would go back to it i was worried that this was gonna fuck up my algorithm but uh (laughs) i would not be mad if it did a little bit you know
1: that's the one thing i I think about with having guests on the show
0: yeah because so much of my music is ella Fitzgerald and stuff like that like if it was recorded after 1964 i generally don't know it when i read the grateful dead was gonna enter into the algo i was like oh no um, but I would be, I would very happily listen to this album
1: again. I am going to check out their latest stuff just to see if they do get any more satisfactory on my taste for this show. But I look, as I say, I, I liked it on on as a summery stoner rock album, chilling out. But I guess I was hoped I, I I was I my expectations weren't met because I was expecting not it to fuck up my algorithm. My algorithm was fucked up two and a half years ago. Let's face it. I don't know what I was expect. I guess I was expecting more like Deep Purple. I guess. Mm. Um. Or even maybe the Who. Something a bit more oh, sure. proto-punk,
0: I guess. Definitely their the band name tosses you in that direction. Yeah. It almost feels like a bait and switch in it, some ways. Sure.
1: It is like the killers. They're not they're not killers. Look at them.
0: <laughs> but also the cover of that album, the the way it says beauty, it almost looks like it says reality, like American reality.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, I which is
0: that. really interesting. Yeah, if you go back and look at it, there's like a line that runs through the word beauty and and cuts it in the center like it's saying reality.
1: Now, it's funny because I chose this at random and I chose it about 20 minutes before I sent the DM to you. Oh, wow. And it wasn't until about two hours ago that I looked up at the album cover on Spotify and realized, oh, it's a rose in the middle.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm
1: so slow. (laughs) um it was right in front of me the whole time um lyrically it was fun i guess i noticed a lot of mentions of american places especially in i think it was sugar magnolia
2: yeah well i mean also like that's not why you listen to this record is lyrics i mean this record's got the funk all the way yeah i mean and as a drummer listening to what they do is, is always is always enjoyable
1: well explain to a
2: troglodyte
1: like me who knows nothing what they did right
2: i mean it's groovy it's groovy as shit yeah I mean that that's the easiest yeah. way to to say it this record just like it's got the funk to to quote one of my 88 year old professors it's got the funk
1: i guess i, I don't know i, I don't know if, maybe in the faster songs i felt it
2: well yeah i mean the faster stuff is during it during definitely yeah uh, like fucking inspired in the slower stuff's definitely more in the folk vein
1: yeah, the solar of stuff had me like, just hurry up. I was antsy. Anyways, I think it looks like we can put the dead to rest and we're gonna go to Nightbreak. G'day listeners, Aaron here. We thought we'd better send a spy to Broadway to check out the shows for us. So here for today's review is our Broadway spy Spencer.
2: This week we're taking a break from our Broadway box office breakdown to talk about a play that is in the theme, Eisenhower, This Piece of Ground, which is playing off-Broadway at the Theatre at St. Clement's until July 30th. It stars Tony Award winner John Rubenstein as President Eisenhower. This play was right up my alley. I was lucky enough to be invited by the show to review it and come see it. It truly is like right up my alley. I love The West Wing. I love politics. I love American politics. I love presidential history. I've always been fascinated by it. So the show was just, you know, perfect for me. It reminds me of what it means to have a important, you know, and powerful legacy. What it really is, is talking about how Eisenhower was very much a figure that was at the time thought of just as, you know, a President that he wasn't really thought of as the most accomplished president because of course most of Eisenhower's big accomplishments were done before he sat in the White House and so just to to get to learn more about about him and about just what Eisenhower did for this country both pre White House and post White House and during the White House talking about how his ranking was in order of greatness and how it's kept uh, going up, the longer it's been since its term, he's now fifth on the list. And just, you know, really thinking about what Eisenhower did for this country. The thing that also made it really cool for me is it's adapted from his memoirs, some speeches and some letters and really just felt very authentic to me. It, the performance by, by John Rubenstein is incredible reminded me of Eisenhower. I mean, that that's, you know, you want someone who can embody a character, and that's something that's really difficult to do, especially when it's a real person and such an iconic figure in our history as well. And, you know, for me, I wasn't alive at the time of Eisenhower, and so really was uh, what he did both before the White House with, with the different wars and with the commanding NATO was just really, really fascinating, and the play just it flew by. I forgot that it was, you know, just just him because it felt like this more immersive thing. The set design by Michael Deegan and Sarah Conley really made you feel like you're in his living room. Costume design by Sarah Conley also, again, you know, it's uh, costume design when it's real people is something that I've always found very, very interesting, and it's something that I just thought was done very well here i really really loved this show um and i i just i really would love everyone to to go and see it it's at the theater at saint clements which is off broadway playing until july 30th it truly is an incredible play that just brings you back in time and it's the performance of a lifetime go see it off broadway John Rubenstein and Eisenhower, this piece of ground at the theatre at St. Clements.
1: Alright, we're back with Fresh and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's my cool, cool, considerate man, Spencer, and we're joined from inside my locker by Robbie Roselle. Now, does it smell weird in there?
0: Vaguely like corn chips, but I don't like to brag.
1: Yeah. Um, They have just released a single of another hundred people. What more do I need? Perhaps more chairs or another album. Are we going to get another album? Are are we going to get a live recording? Yeah, that's
0: I have a live album out, but this is uh, this is the first studio, uh, uh, first steps of a new studio album. Yeah. Yeah. It's this uh, Sondheim mashup that's sort of a love letter to New York.
1: Yeah.
2: I wouldn't know cause I've never been.
1: And two songs I didn't know either, because I've never seen. Oh. Or know the shows that they're from.
0: You don't know company?
1: Uh, vaguely.
2: Another number of people sitting over the train? Oh. I'm excited to eventually, to eventually do that with you, Aaron.
1: Well, it'll have to be on my birthday, won't it? Well, one of our birthdays. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to have to be
0: on your 35th
1: fuck you i'm gonna be 39 soon
2: anyways
0: oh are you yeah. i turned 47 this year 47 wow. that's too many presidents to have lived through
2: yeah i turned 22 this year
1: fuck you spencer
0: i'm leaving the chat.
1: <laughs> that makes aaron hate me see I uh, wouldn't want to be uh actually do because i remember being 21 we're gonna segue into the usa now Uh, You aren't much beloved on the New York City cabaret scene, but let's travel by map. Which other states have you performed in?
0: Oh, New York. Yes. Florida, Texas, Massachusetts. Are there any others? In America? No, I think that's it.
1: Okay. We're we're going to start off a competition with all our guests now and see who covers the map the most. (laughs) because I am competitive. It will
0: definitely not be me.
1: That's a good start. It was a good start. Do you know how many states I've performed in? One, Hawaii, at karaoke. I was really, really drunk. I did like Eminem and um, who else to do Cypress Hill, I think. And then I decided to do Journey, Don't Stop Believing, when I was blind drunk for some oh, reason. It's a and a terrible choice. Cleared out the bar. Let's just say that. We're going to move on very, very quickly from that one because we're going to travel back to 19, uh, 1976. Good on me. 1776 now for the acclaimed musical comedy. So I will declare my review now. Knowing as much as we all do about America, I spoke tivied into 1776 without needing a synopsis or pro shot, and was greeted by a cheery overture that led into a bunch of men, as was to be expected, with a grand old score that suits the setting, even if it drowns out the comedy with its fullness. Piddle, twiddle, and resolve. Is what I call a decent Friday night. And with less orchestra and singers, I could follow what's happening. Well okay, no I couldn't, but I'm sure it's funny, hence the deliberate dorkiness. But realising I'm just like modern day USA, completely lost, I seeked out a pro shot of a random production. And by pro shot, of course I mean they hired a local wedding videographer. Don't you just love the crackling white atmosphere noise of a dead silent audience? Anyways, the leads of Old Vaginia plays, and I sing along, given I know this song, but don't know how. And whilst I love the shout-out to TV's Bobby Lee, my familiarity stops there with the music. The basic plot, I know, but here I fear I'm a little bit too bored by so much acting and few songs. The humour is clearly steeped in politics, American politics, that it's hard to follow given how overexposed I am in real life. And I don't even live there. Anyways, I have no idea who's who, cause not to sound racist, but all founding fathers look the same to me. <laughs> and who's this queen in polyester pantaloons? They hurt my eyes. But the music, for the most part, is fun, whimsical, witty, and very Americana. My main issue is, at two and a half hours, there's like 13 songs at most! I want more of that, more of the comedy, more of the fun. But then I realised, this bitch stole the Tony Award from Hair. off five stars equals three and three quarters. The songs are simply not enough in quantity that following the book when you're just trying to rush more hinders the experience, leaving me like the founding fathers, stone-faced on a cliff's edge, wanting more music. The ballads were okay, I guess, but the musical comedy numbers were what kept my attention the most. So I, I guess I can see how it's so popular, but I, I, I there was just not enough songs.
2: Yeah, I mean, if any of our listeners listen to, to our other show on the Bloop Network and the EGOT goes Too that I host, they know that I love a good book musical. I think a book is a lot harder to write than a good score. Anyone can write a good score. Yeah. It's much more difficult to write a good book. Do you think- and so this show had too much book. Yes. Um, and not enough songs. But also I will state... My only experience with this show is the recent revival that was gender swap. And then after listening to this album, I had different opinions about, about both the album and the show and the production I saw. And so I think that it'll be interesting. Robbie, did you see that production?
0: Unfortunately, I did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've actually seen both uh, roundabout productions of 1776. There was one in, I think it was like 97, uh, with Brent Spiner from uh, one of the Star Treks, um, which was wonderful. Um, I saw the Encores concert, and then I saw this production of it, and it just felt like a, a, a show in search of a concept. And so it didn't work for me because of that unfortunately i think they were trying for something but they didn't fully execute it and so it felt like they sort of were making blueberry muffins forgot to add blueberries to it and just toss them on the top and so there they were and nobody knew why
1: one might say it was 75 percent of a muffin
2: thank you and that's the thing that i i very much felt with it was that you know if you're gonna do a gender swap do it for a reason and like sense the reason and like when you're watching that production like the, the production itself doesn't give you a reason for doing that mm-hmm. it's just like oh we did this
0: yeah how come like it needs to be earned in some way and i, yeah. I felt like i don't think the women knew were they playing women were they playing men what were they doing and that's unfortunate because there's possibly something there. I thought Carolee Carmelo was extraordinary. Yeah. But they, it, it just, uh, so much of it felt like a how come.
2: And, and shout out to Carolee Carmelo for being the best part of, of two shows that season.
0: Yeah. Um, And I saw her in, in the other 1776 in the 90s. She was uh, Abigail Adams. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it is a show that I happen to love. I think it's extraordinarily well written. It has some very tense book scenes. I just uh, don't th- like because you walk in and you're like, I know how this ends. But halfway through, you start to feel like I don't. I, what if it doesn't happen? Um, and that's, you know, Peter Stone's book is really excellent uh in keeping that tension mounted it just wasn't there in this production unfortunately
2: well and the other thing too that i think about especially is it's very hard to be a show about america post hamilton well i was actually going to bring that up Uh Mm -hmm. especially a show about the founding of america and for young people including myself when i sat through 1776 i was just like this is like hamilton but like more boring i mean And that's Mm -hmm. how I felt during that production.
1: That's funny. Well, not funny. It's sad because looking in as an outsider, I can't believe that America would be founded by a a mix of people of color, but I could totally believe it was founded by clowns in a musical comedy. Seriously, (laughs) when you look at America. Today,
2: anyways, mm-hmm. love you, America. We are here celebrating you. <laughs> Let's face it; it's true. I will say with this with this new production, I loved the new orchestrations. Yeah, I thought okay. that they were
0: really well done. I didn't love the new arrangements of some things. I think Mama Look Sharp was overblown when it didn't have to be. Yeah, the thing is, I think because even the encore's production of seventeen seventy six, which was them in modern dress. Uh, And stuff like that. It doesn't work because it's telling a very specific story. And you just have to tell that story. You don't have to do anything. Like, it doesn't need extra layers. It's not a seven-layer dip. You know what I mean? You can just do it. Um, And they're most successful when they just do the show as written. And uh, I really did not care for this version.
1: Well, the version that I watched, I have no idea where it was from. Uh They sort of presented it as a pro shot, but you could clearly tell. Like if, as I said in my review, if you can hear the atmosphere of the audience, this is not a pro shot. You've literally just hired a local filmographer to do it and that's fine and all but Mm -hmm. don't try to sell me that this is a pro shot because i fell for it uh and the sound was terrible and of course every song they walked up to the front of the stage and stood at the front of the stage and performed the song there facing the audience goodness gracious me now um and, and I commented also on the costumes that looked cheap because these are very specific costumes. They are a very, very specific look. And mm-hmm. when you are using cheap materials with these should be finer details like down the front and stuff like that, it shows. Yeah. Yeah. So I think put in the effort there in your costumes, please, people. I think Hamilton does really well in modernizing it because it keeps it that classic look. So unlike Six where it sort of takes it into the future, it doesn't, bring it into a a modern contemporary present it takes a sort of past that into a sort of a we will rock you almost type of future
2: well and and i was reminded by that because i was at six had an album release party the other night and i was there it was on a rooftop near times square it was lots of fun but it was my first time listening to their album or listening to any of their score in quite a while it's yeah. just reminded of how much it, it it really does like bring it into that future. It does, doesn't it?
1: Well, I think, especially right. visually, the costumes. Maybe not with the set, as we know how I feel about bands on set or on stage. I mean, oh, sorry, Spencer.
0: I think six works as a concept that is yes. fully thought through, and that's what the Diane Paulus production of 1776 didn't do. Yeah, it just sort of felt like, what if not men? And didn't think further than that, unfortunately, you know?
1: No, just two things I want to add in there. Firstly, about the comedy, had it been sort of more full throttle comedy, a bit of slapstick, I think maybe it would have held my attention a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like The Producers, I don't think is the greatest musical, but it is hilarious because there's so much comedy and there's so many different types of comedy, whereas here it was very much mm-hmm. the same type of comedy, political humor. Maybe a bit of silliness, but I think if had, they, had it been a little bit more physical, mm-hmm. maybe would be in my opinion a bit funny and in terms of this recent production had they just opened it up and cast the best people for the role regardless of if they were male female non-binary trans or whatnot instead of making a deal about it do you think people would have gone in not expecting something revolutionary or not expecting this to change the game of this musical perhaps
0: i don't I don't think you can do what they did and not talk about it because the show like a lot of it hinges on um slave owners rights right I don't think slave owners should have rights. I think that is trash and garbage, but that's very much like a debate that happens within 1776. And so to have black people debating as, as white characters, yeah, slave owners rights, um, th- they have to talk about that in press and interviews and things like that. There's not a way to say we're doing the show with a rainbow of, um, gender expression and also uh people of color uh, you know a, a rainbow of people of color even though it's all white dudes fighting over whether or not they can own people and the fountain, and trying to lop ourselves off from uh england and uh fighting about how we're going to do that right you can't just you can't just do the show with non-white dudes and not address it in some way it because it's not there's color blind casting which i think this is what it was and there's also color conscious casting which this i think this production of 1776 definitely was not so it just that's one of the reasons it didn't work in my opinion
2: they also did that thing with the shoes at
0: the beginning that was kind of weird i have to say i thought oh that's gonna be this is gonna be kind of cool When they so they what they did was they were all they came out in streetwear and sneakers, whatever, took off their sneakers and the stage had their sort of buckle shoes across the lip of the stage. So they chucked their they changed shoes in front of us um, and put on their like long jackets, uh, whatever, and then took their shoes and tossed them to the back as if saying we are stepping into the shoes of these people and taking assuming these roles and i thought oh we're in for something and the rest of the evening unfortunately didn't fulfill that promise yeah for me
1: i hadn't said i highly doubt it's going to tour in australia
2: barely toured in america
0: (laughs) correct oh yeah
1: true um i did notice on wikipedia it said it's and it's touring america despite negative reviews like well, who wrote that yeah anyways oh it looks like it's nicks on 1776 so we're biding our time till an ad break that was terrible fuck you (laughs) (laughs) g'day listeners aaron here while you're topping up your coffees did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the rollercoaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, You'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. But it doesn't matter anymore. The front door of the cottage slams open with a harder, louder cracking thud than it ever had before. A dozen or so stomping footsteps enter. The cottage shakes uncontrollably as if it is as terrified as our friend the bully is. Toniston panics. He's trapped in a corner with a slew of sharks on his trail. He makes a sudden rush decision. Ripping aside the thick animal hide curtain, Toniston leaps through the small oval-shaped window headfirst, landing on a crate filled with hay sitting outside it, mustering every ounce of manliness he has not to react verbally as he lands with a crunch on the sharp, pin-like hay. It pierces his skin in several places, but thankfully, in his panicked state, the bully becomes numb to the pain. Counting his blessings, but not his chickens, Toniston struggles out of the crate by throwing his legs over and levering himself up, causing the coral underneath his feet to snap. He loses balance and tumbles. To describe the pain of tumbling face-first down a steep hill of hard, sharp, deadly-shaped coral would require far too many swear words than this author would be allowed to publish. So let's just say it hurt. A lot. With one last somersault, Toniston's legs fly first over the cliff's edge. Crunch. His left hand grabs hold of the outmost jagged knob of coral. The stocky body of the ten-year-old child sways rapidly back and forth like some sort of death-defying pendulum. He gasps for air, or from shock, not even Toniston can tell. All he knows is above him a deadly coral cliff and deadlier sharks. Below him, larger, sharper coral under a sea of giant, sharp spikes of natural metal his head throbbing and vision too blurred with bright red splotches to be able to see clearly for too long. His face is dripping with blood, it runs down his shirt front, tickling him in the process. But all he can do is swing there. It's moments like these that a boy really needs his mum. Unfortunately, while Toniston's life hangs in the balance, on earth his life was dishonestly being celebrated by all at Gumbya Primary School after news of the bully's disappearance had spread like wildfire through the tiny town, then onto the music industry before eventually reaching the wider world. Rock music fans, specifically those of Muzzletop, had flocked to the outskirts of Melbourne, leaving wreaths, band posters and hand-drawn tributes to honour the missing son of their favourite singer. Although none of them knew the boy, many had seen him standing on the side of the stage of the band's concerts alongside Tina. Also, at the time of his disappearance, hundreds of the world's entertainment media lined the streets outside the school and, sadly, outside Tina's house. Wanting any word they could get their greasy hands on, the gossip came in thick and fast as snide, bored neighbours took it upon themselves to speculate and make up stories for their five minutes of fame. Inside the house, the phone ringing ten, fifteen times a day from nosy TV stations hounding the poor, terrified mother, there was no escape. And whilst Tina was never polite in her declination, still they persisted. Call me again and I'll punch you in the nose, she promised. The school's principal, Mr Patterson. Had himself realized how cold and nasty it would look if Toniston Turnbull's former victims didn't at least pretend to mourn his disappearance, and thus, with an added paranoia of becoming a suspect, Mr. Patterson set out to overcompensate with memorials and dedications to the boy who touched all our lives with his love of animals. Mr. Patterson felt satisfied his school's image was intact. the largest memorial from the school came in the form of a service in the gymnasium. With every student, teacher, news reporter and local police in attendance, Mr. Patterson sought to show the world just how much Toniston had meant to the school. The service would have made the bully puke. From the awful school choir butchering his least favourite songs to the obnoxious releasing of the White Doves, Mr. Patterson may have been satisfied his memorial service paid tribute, but Toniston is far too cynical for that and yet whilst hundreds of people sat on the cold plastic seats in the Gumbire primary school auditorium not one person in attendance truly knew toniston when he was around but all alone in her large house the animals all shunned outside tina turnbull sits with her umpteenth glass of wine ignoring the umpteenth phone call from friends fans and family but most sad of all wondering for the umpteenth time what she could have said to her only child to have brought the two of them closer together. A now broken photo of Trent Turnbull and an infant Toniston, only hours after his birth, sits at her feet under the table. Tina simply doesn't care about the million tiny shards of glass cutting up her feet, she just wants her son back. And as if joined at the soul while dangling from the lavender-colored dead coral cliff face, somewhere in his head voice Tina's cries are heard by the boy. His face scrunches up, but then it relaxes.
0: I can do this.
1: Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! so we're back with Thresh and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Spencer the Brat after that one, and we're joined by cabaret sensation Robbie Roselle. Now, I'm going to let Spencer take over here because for listeners at home, he will be hosting episode 101 coming up and with um, Matt or Jonathan. We don't know yet. We're still organizing the episode. So and I'm not in it at all. I will be listening on mute and obviously probably shouting at the TV as we go along. So I'm going to let Spencer take over.
2: Well, so first, I'm going to start uh, and ignore the questions that Aaron gave me and actually ask you a different question. Um, sure. so, so, well, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a jazz major. I've been to Birdland a couple of times. What, what is the difference for you between a place like Birdland and a place like 54 Below? Is it a, a vibe change or is it just a, you know, a menu?
0: Just uh, you know. Six blocks. Like really, that's about yes. The menu in Six bucks. like it's um honestly, you know, you you'd sort of just get offers and you say yes or no. Portland once a week has like Broadway singers, which is where I fall, and so that is um, that is how I jumped in. Now listen, am I doing like Alice sings Rogers, and Hart? No, I am not. No, and do I even? wink at knowing that I'm in a jazz club. Not really. I'm just walking on stage telling my dumb jokes and um, singing my silly, silly songs and, you know, living it up with people like Liz Calloway and stuff. But it's a great venue. And I enjoy working there immensely when I'm offered to work there.
1: Uh, um, Yeah, Spencer and I were talking, so we want to do a Thrash and Treasure cabaret night. And so when we're talking about it in places, I sort of looked up the Green Room 42 menu. Mm -hmm. And I complained to Spencer, I'm like, God, can't they just have bloody steak and fucking french fries for crying out loud? Like... It must ah! be something really simple. Now, looking at the Birdland menu, straight away, I see the Birdland burger with lettuce, tomato, red onion, and french fries. Yeah.
2: Birdland's menu
0: is great. Yeah.
1: There we go. I'm in. Yeah. I got me burger and fries. I'm happy. It depends
0: on where you are at Birdland, because they have two theaters.
1: Yeah. This is the Jazz Club. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
0: Upstairs, they have one menu that's like Louisiana inspired, and then downstairs, they have like an Italian menu.
2: Does
1: that mean fried chicken? Does that mean fried chicken?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: I'm... I'm there. That's, that's, that's
0: we're going to aim
1: just based on the menu. As I was talking to Tonya Pinkins before, cause she's on a cruise at the moment. I'm like, if you need any tips, just ask. And she's like, sure. This uh. is my first one. The cheeseburgers. Oh my God. The cheeseburgers on a cruise ship. Goodness gracious me. Every day I'd have two. One at lunch, one with dinner every single day.
2: I mean, my parents literally like 10 seconds before we started recording this episode, stepped onto a cruise ship. What? Yeah. Lucky buggers.
1: I shouldn't call your parents. That should I. Lucky people. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, Spencer, it's your interview. I interrupted with food again.
2: Um, well, so I'm going to also ignore another errant question because you're in New York, as am I. What show are you sending people to from this past Broadway season? Oh. What, what's been your favorite?
0: I'm sending them to, you know, I always ask people like what their favorite shows are because then I can get a sense of what they enjoy. The yeah. shows that I'm sending people to are As follows: Shut, mm-hmm. Kimberly Akimbo, Mm -hmm. and and titanic okay i didn't expect that last one it is so funny that's pretty much what i'm sending people
2: to besides titanic because i haven't seen it yet
0: go see it it is it is as funny as shot
1: I have a few issues with these parody musicals. So often, you get really, really talented people working on them, mm-hmm. and I just want to shake them and like, just fucking work with me, and we will create something original. Ah, you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I just instead of these cheap parodies, collaborate mm-hmm. with me. I can write. I wrote a, a script for Cinderella, and Spencer said that was actually good. I think it surprised him that it was actually funny. You said it meaner than I did. <laughs> Well, I, okay, I interpreted it just like the, well, I'm glad you think that. It was in text. I interpreted it in my way, yes, but I took it as a negative. Yes, go. Sorry.
0: I feel like, you know, creatives, specifically actors, they can only go wherever, whatever producers are producing, right? Yeah. Mm. And Titanic is wildly funny. And I've seen a lot of parody shows and some of them are fine. Some are not. Uh, this is one that I've seen multiple times because it is so funny and enjoyable. It's really cleverly thought out.
1: Yeah, I yeah. haven't seen any. I don't know if I will. Um, I'll <laughs> Cut that out, just in case you know we do get. some. Yeah, for- it's been
2: on my list for for uh, for quite a bit. I just need to to find a time yeah. and find affordable tickets.
1: Yeah. I do love Celine Dion, and I think she should totally come on this show. Though that's completely unrelated. Anyways,
0: it's I mean the story of Titanic told through the music of Celine Dion as somebody who is on the ship. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah.
1: yeah. Actually, I was talking about um peanut butter solution. Have you seen that, Robbie?
0: I have not. No.
1: Oh, okay. You're you're of age too. Spencer was like twenties. Too late. Um, okay. It's, it's about a, a kid who sees something really scary and all his hair falls out and he finds a peanut butter solution mm-hmm. that he makes up and sticks it to his head and it makes his hair grow. And then there's this evil oh, yes, wait, I have seen this. It, it, the evil painter, he cuts his hair and he creates pictures with it. Yes. Yes. Celine Dion does the songs in it. So like an underrated gem. That's funny. That people have forgotten.
0: What? Wait, what are the songs in it?
1: Oh, I can't remember. I mean, they're pretty terrible, but <laughs> they're very, very 80s. I think it was like released 85.
0: It was like 85. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: year I was born, I think. Wow. Yeah, but I love that. I've got it on VHS. <laughs> I, I don't even think it's ever been released on DVD. That's how rare. It's a French Canadian movie. That's hilarious. Yes. Anyways, sorry, Spencer.
2: I was just going to fuck with you and ask what a VHS was, but I decided not to. Because I actually know what a VHS was. I do. Oh, very good. My grandparents in their old house had a TV that had what a VHS player, and I used to watch like Disney movies
0: on the on the VHS. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun! Oh, and when they came in the big clamshells. Yes,
1: and they were the bubble ones yeah. too. They were like the real light plastic ones that were always a bitch
2: to mm-hmm.
1: when they would get stuck. They were a bitch to open up. I
2: distinctly remember Aladdin
1: 2. Return of Jafar, yeah.
0: Return of Jafar, with Liz Callaway as the voice of Jasmine.
1: Yes, who performed yes. in your show. Yeah,
0: I've been singing Meadowlark for a couple of years. And so it's just become a bit between us that I stole her song. And so we just sort of went on a greatest hits tour of her stuff that I'm stealing.
1: Ah, lovely. Well, funny. Last episode, I mentioned Meadowlark. I, if you were to sing it now, I would not rec. I don't know it. I'm sorry, Stephen Schwartz. Lisa go away i'm sorry i just never heard meadowlark interesting but i've seen the peanut butter solution and that's all that matters you have sorry spencer go on i'm gonna shut up
2: well so two other things um first of all have you seen anything that's already come out this season that you've really loved or really
0: hated let me look um, at this season so far
2: it's it's really just gray house once upon one more time um. Just for us, and here lies love is all we have that's been out.
0: So i I have seen the first two. I saw Grey House, and I saw Once Upon a One More Time. Um, Grey House was interesting. It's weird that they're selling it as a horror because it's it's more like a a thriller of like a supernaturally thriller of sorts, but it's not what they're selling.
2: Yeah, I mean, I felt the same way. I just saw it Friday and was very just like perplexed by by their them branding it right uh, i'm i'm also just perplexed by the story the story didn't really make a ton of sense to me either but
0: they're they're very much branding it like the shining right with like uh yeah. those little girls whatever
2: which like it has those moments
0: there's some it's mostly like a psychological thriller i would say and then uh once upon a one more time was fine fun um <laughs> Justin Guarini is excellent in it. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Samard is the gift that keeps on giving. She's excellent. Um, I don't know that I ever needed to see the, fem- the feminine mystique as told through the songs of Britney Spears. But here we are. Yeah, here are we. And it caught better reviews than I expected. Now, I saw it very early in previews, so it's very possible a lot changed. But what do I know?
2: Yeah, I saw it, I think, the day that they froze it um and so it was fine yeah talk about a show that needs a better book
1: hi mm-hmm. broadway my name's aaron my email is <laughs> Fuck
2: now sorry
1: it's a writer's strike i'm not allowed to do that am i sorry that is true sorry i'll take that back
0: i feel like you can for theater i don't think you can for tv or film
2: yeah that's true wga is not well theater. it's more
1: just to fix up things so you're okay i'd, I'd be happy to ghost right. Just to to doctor scripts, you need it. People send it my way. I'll add. Some, yeah, you can uh, be uh, you can wit. be the Casey of books. There you go. The yeah, person they send in to fix shows. Yeah, the doctor, but script doctoring, like a lot of a lot of screenwriters get jobs doctoring scripts that they don't get credited for. Joss Whedon did that for many years, even though
0: he's uh, thank you.
2: So Robbie, it. I'm gonna go into a question that has no relation to what we were just talking about.
0: Great. What <laughs> scares
2: you most creatively?
0: Um. I think putting, putting something out there for others to judge is terrifying, yeah. you know, because like, uh, which is something I just said, I actually, just before I hopped on this, read the first review of the show I just did, which was sort of in an incubator stage. And it's like your baby, right? You're, but please like my baby and, um, not knowing how it will be received. Uh, is interesting to me, Um but scary, like terror, terrifying.
1: It is, yeah. It's 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 like standing there naked. You you put all this time mm-hmm. and effort into something, and you then just stand there in front of a crowd, and 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 it's they're either going to boo you and throw shit at you, or they're going to applaud. You just don't know.
2: You know, I just saw the new Indiana Jones film last night.
0: Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it yet
2: it's it's one of the better you know old person comes back to do their iconic role once mm-hmm. um yeah. but it's also i think the best use of de-aging that i've seen and i i think oh. it's because just like lucasfilm just has so much footage of harrison ford as his young self that they're just be able to feed just like uh, the sheer amount of footage made it all so much better in terms of the de-aging and that for me was really great because like i'm excited to see a process like that work and i i thought it did i don't think it's worked that well a lot of the other times we've seen it and i was really happy Mm -hmm. to see it work and you know even if the the movie itself wasn't the greatest film of all time Even that to me was a victory and a new John Williams score was a victory. I don't really care about anything else. You got to see the whip, you got to hear the music, like who cares about anything else? That's enough to make me happy.
0: And Shia LaBeouf isn't back, so. (laughs) Matt Wins all around. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Remember, they were setting it up so that he was going to be the next sort of Indiana Jones.
1: Yeah, yeah. I am so overpassing the baton movies. I really am. I don't <laughs> care about your fucking children, characters. We care about you. <laughs> got even Turner and Hoach got a reboot. Who cared about Turner and Hoach to begin with? Literally nobody. I don't know. I, I, you know what I feel like with all, the, all these reboots and stuff like that? This is how I felt looking at the poster of Fatal Attraction. Joshua Jackson, again, call me. It sort of looks like... Looking at kids wearing their parents' clothing. Yeah. That's Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. That's not Joshua Jackson and Lizzie Kaplan but it's them right. wearing their parents. That's what it sort of looks like with the font and the poster. That's the vibe that I'm getting.
2: Hey, look, there's some reboots that I'm okay with. Aaron Sirkin is apparently shopping a West Wing reboot around and that would make me the happiest person in the world it's my favorite television show of all time. But yeah. like some shows, you don't need it. That show, I think politically and where our climate is, it would actually be really important to to see that again because that show really, speaking of America, speaking of our theme today, really really was just like the hope of good government was really what that show was and so i think that that's something we we still need
1: mm-hmm. yeah I, I can say that i don't need it i, I won't watch it because i didn't watch it originally
2: oh you're a bad person it's my favorite television show of all time go watch it yeah, i've
1: seen i have seen it but uh,
2: no anyways
1: continue that's that's
2: why when i saw Le- that's why i saw Leah shot a third time why oh because it's josh
0: oh josh manila yeah or Melina? Melina. Yeah. Molina. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know Melina. Oh, one show
1: I never want them to reboot is Lost. I don't need to know what those characters are up to today. We got a perfectly finished ending nope. that I understood. They'd call it Found. If they insist, if they insist, do an anthology, do an all-new set of characters that end up in a totally different island, just the same premise mm-hmm. of Crash Landing on an Island, and then go off in a totally different direction. Don't do it. Don't give us the same show again.
0: But that's what Yellow Jacket says.
1: Well, okay. I didn't know that. I don't watch that.
2: Yeah. Uh, someone was talking about the other day doing a Friends reboot with that cast. And I'm like, do you know how much money you would have to pay those people to go back and play those characters?
0: Like, also, why? Why is Fraser back? Yeah why we can go to the next thing that's okay oh my
2: god i have so many ideas
0: well and we're starting to see that
2: to speak about the business of broadway a little bit people want revivals that's what producers are investing in because to them it's a lot safer than the original musicals i mean we're getting a lot of revivals that are either in the pipeline or announced or are coming it's our fault as the audience it is our fault it really like we can point the fingers at the studios and look, I saw some great ones last year, and I saw some not so great ones last year.
1: Yeah, but it's our like it's our our fault on mass for throwing our money at the reboots and the revivals and the remakes and the sequels upon sequels upon sequ- and the prequels. You know, it's our fault because we're the ones that, with our money, are telling them this is what we want. I can't wait till we come full circle. And get to a point where we're like, we need something original now. Mm -hmm. Because it's just we shouldn't be celebrating when Shucked comes around. We shouldn't be celebrating because one fucking show is not based on anything other than corn. But why is that so rare? Yes, exactly. You nerd. Um, he's put his hat on yet again. Cannot listeners at home, you cannot mention a show from this Um. season without him pulling out his hat, namely Shocked! Oh, hey, Kimbo. the only
2: show I have a hat from this season is Shucked because Kimberly oh. Kimbo had one for a week and then discontinued it, and I've been searching for it for months.
1: Oh, have you? Oh, okay. Look, I have from nineteen ninety six. I think it is. That
2: is, ooh, whoa.
1: Beauty and the Beast from the original Australian tour that um Hugh Jackman was in Yeah, I saw him twice. And it's very dark because I used to I covered it over in black to wear. When I was doing stage career. What was Hugh Jackman? He was, Gaston. he was Gaston. He was brilliant as
0: Gaston. There's a cast album of it.
2: Oh, that's incredible casting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's incredible. Well, and they're, they're trying to revive that too.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at musical revivals because, you know, you want generations who didn't get to see a production to see a production or see a new production of something yes um i just feel like with television and film they exist you can stream just about anything and i don't know that i need an extended universe of like what's left to extend the smurfs you know what i mean
2: like they even did a reboot of the Smurfs. Yeah. they
0: did the new smurfs movies that were terrible
1: why Yeah, and then they rebooted it again
0: also how many batman do we need
1: well i, I don't know man have you seen batman in the arkham origins game goodness gracious me i've
0: just stopped watching
2: any of the dc stuff I've, I've... Yeah, and the marvel I... stuff to be honest most of it too i've stopped
1: no I, i'm still watching <clears> marvel <throat> right but dc just quick guys
2: Why are you bothering?
1: Yeah, we can... Just make single standalone movies. You've just done this whole thing of we're ending the DCEU and The Flash is going to be the end of it. Except it's not because we've got Blue Beetle and then we've got Aquaman coming out. And then possibly if they're successful, we're going to get a sequel to them. Stop. Stop. Stop trying to do what Marvel are doing.
0: Yeah, stop.
1: Just follow your... As I keep saying on this show, follow your creative impulses. Again, it's our fault. We throw money at this shit.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: and and Robbie, to speak more about revivals, I just saw Camelot last week, mm-hmm. which I loved. And I had listened to the original album, read the original book. And I, I loved this book. I loved what this production did with it. I would have liked a little bit more set, but I seem to be one of the only people who just like truly fell in love with this revival of that show. And I I agree Mm -hmm. with you with what you said about the the reason that we revive shows is for younger people to be able to see new versions or to just see a show like I would have never seen it if it wasn't you know here
1: yeah. right and I completely agree on that because as I say what I love about theater is one director does their vision the next director does their vision
2: which is the problem with the revival of Tommy which I just saw in Chicago is it's the same director yeah I want to see someone else give it a shot
1: yeah with all due respect to Desmock enough I can understand that Diane said it last week and I think she was throwing shade that's what people like to do these days is to do musicals that are typically should be big they're doing a as small black box productions and a lot of the times that's what we're getting in in melbourne or in australia as our memphis memphis they advertised memphis this is why this pissed me off using the broadway footage it was a black box production with one set where it was just a wall with records stuck to the wall that is false advertising if i had bought tickets to that expecting the images that you were advertising to me in your advertisement and I went there and there was mm-hmm. one
0: fucking set
2: yeah that's weird and speaking of you you you're at Broadway Records aren't you
0: yes yeah I'm the AR director and a graphic designer of Broadway Records
2: yeah because I think that that's how I originally discovered you was like through twitter was just like oh he works at broadway records i'm gonna follow him um and so yeah i followed you for a
0: couple years i'm so sorry it's a lot of (laughs) it used to be so light and like fun and just like niche musical theater jokes and then like 2016 happened and it just like (laughs) slid downhill of like call your senator um so (laughs) trying to like strike that balance has not been the easiest
2: Yeah, I mean, Twitter and what's happened with Twitter recently has just been not the easiest. Oh, God. So what's an underrated musical from the last 10 years that you think more people should know about?
0: Rags Parkland sings the songs of the future, which played at Ars Nova. It's uh, Andrew Butler. Andrew R. Butler is the composer's name. And he played this guy named uh, Rags Parkland, who uh, it's set in the future on uh, Mars or something like that. And um, he is performing an album that he has found, like a folk album from the past. And the name of the band is The Songs of the Future. It is fascinating and uh, like a really great score. I do wish more people knew about it.
2: It's a really great answer. What
0: was it called? Rags Parkland sings The Songs of the Future.
2: And then what is a show that you'd most like to see revived?
0: My favorite show of all time is She Loves Me and thankfully has been getting more revivals. So I don't have to say that anymore. Um, the Most Happy Fella, the Frank Lesser how show, fun. It's The Most Happy Fella is so stunning. And I think it's Frank Lesser's masterpiece in terms of writing. I just don't think it has gotten its due. It, it almost feels like it's mostly forgotten while Guys and Dolls and How to Succeed in Business just keep getting revived. The Most Happy Fella is stunning
2: writing i don't know it i i have two two answers to this question and both will probably get me hated by people
1: oh it's too late for that spencer don't worry
0: Susical. let's get you canceled oh i loved i saw it six times on broadway
2: i love that show i would love to see like a full out like full camp revival of this show i think mm-hmm. enough people in the world know it now where like yep it can do that they can spend the money and I'd really love to see a full-out Joseph revival. I know that we're supposed to be getting <gasps> love one Joseph.
0: soon. Did you see that concert of it that was at Lincoln Center?
2: I did not. I had I had not lived in New York yet, but I had seen some clips of it and it looked
0: very... Oh my God, it was good. It was so different. Um, it was a very queer version of, uh, of the show, but reframed it so beautifully and wow jessica vosk eden espinoza and alex newell yeah
2: those are just two shows that like as a kid i saw a lot regionally and just like Mm -hmm. love those shows and would love to see a full-out revival
0: also crazy for you Oh, I'm tempted to fly over to London and see the revival that's happening there.
2: It's supposed to be quite good. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you didn't answer the question, What show would you like to see revived? Oh, okay. Um, well,
1: I want to see Dreamgirls done in fucking Australia. Full stop. That's it.
2: That's what I want to Well, in here, it'll be interesting to see what we get now, because now, now the Acre is open. The American Airlines is open for a little bit before roundabouts fall season so it'll be interesting to see if we get any limited runs or short runs of plays Mm -hmm. or musicals i'd love to see another musical in the long acre it's too big a house for a play what's going in the palace when that opens do they know i've heard either beauty and the beast or greatest showman
0: yeah i've heard both of those things now you know i've heard them on tiktok so who's to say i've
2: heard it's disney something aida bring aida back there's an Aida in the Netherlands that is supposed to transfer eventually. Oh, really? Mm. There's a Wicked in Brazil that's just
1: opened up and whilst it does use screens.
0: That looks so good. It looks really cool.
1: Doesn't that look amazing? That's what I want to see. Instead of having Wicked tour for the third time exactly the same as it is about to, I want to see a brand new production.
2: You know. And then, Robbie, my last question, what is your... This is not about musicals. W- what's your favorite play of the last 20 years new original play.
0: oh oh play! i love so many i love i loved leopold shot i think mine is but i'm just looking to see if it's oh it is uh within 10 years um vanya sanya masha and spike oh
2: okay oh wow
0: the christopher durang play mm-hmm. it is so funny yeah i loved it
2: uh mine was prayer for the french republic which i saw off broadway last year which i'm so excited to see a transfer oh i wish i had seen that it is what (laughs) leopold wishes it was oh Mm. well
1: i cannot answer because i don't watch plays i fall asleep
0: which is
2: Ah! Ah,
1: that's true.
0: That's hilarious
2: what did i i just saw i just saw a play
1: like i can sit through a movie at a cinema and I, i won't fall asleep i go to see a play i'm gone i'm gone within 20 minutes
2: no. Oh, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing Hamlet this week. That's what I'm seeing.
1: Oh, really? So uh, I saw one Shakespeare, which was a musical version of a Midsummer Night's Dream. When I say musical, it was a jukebox. They they shoehorned all these pop songs in and made a three hour show, five and a half fucking hours. Thank you very much. It was a high school. I will never get that five and a half hours back. So I haven't seen a Shakespeare play since. No. So traumatized.
2: I, I haven't seen Hamlet in the park yet, but I, I've heard it's quite long
0: hamlet in the park is over three hours but i saw the park oh, and
2: it was four. Oh really uh, yeah I mean, well it's outside so it's probably more difficult to fall asleep
1: or
0: is it because that heat yeah that's true
1: yeah like harry potter was five hours
0: oh yeah but that was also spread over two
1: yeah it's spread over two nights and they yeah. were like zapping each other and shit so there was stuff well to keep now they have it's going. it's
0: three
2: hours but one one night, and but they didn't really cut anything, it's just faster. They took out the fun, they took out the old people's home. That's true.
0: They cut the old people's home, yeah.
1: That was like the only fun part.
0: I haven't been back,
1: yeah. No, I that's wasn't. hilarious yeah anyways well so thank you so much for joining us at the last minute if, look if i'd gotten to 24 hours out i was gonna give up on the the 1776 july 4th idea and i said that to spencer who, who cut off at 24 hours and and just give up and it was i think it was literally right on the 24 hours that oh Twenty five hours or something like that. That you said I know it well. So, <laughs> and you're available. Like, oh, there we go. Yeah, we're, we're able to get it in. So, anyways, uh, where can people find you on the social medias?
0: I'm on whatever social media still exists. <laughs> I'm uh, at Diva Ravi on all platforms because branding. Let's go branding. Um, <laughs> yes. It was my AOL screen name when I was sixteen. You know what I mean? And oh wow. Stuck. And that's stupid.
1: No, it's yeah, not. you can
0: find me there and you can stream my music on Spotify. Awesome.
1: It's a good time. Yes. Uh we'll put a link in the description below. And like I was it's not there's not a physical CD release, is there?
0: Uh yeah, uh songs from inside my locker. There sure is. Yep.
1: Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So as I say to people, you buy the CD, mm-hmm. sure listen to it once, but then you put it aside and then you stream it over and over again you don't listen to I your agree. cd over and over again what what does an artist get from that nothing you stream it over and over again doesn't matter if you've bought it help artists please thank you and also to spencer's parents i'm sorry i called you buggers i was meeting it in a good way i am so jealous and i hope you have an amazing time on your trip and please have one of the cruise ship cheeseburgers for me Alrighty, a huge, huge, huge thank you so much to Robbie, I know I am always so thankful to all my guests. As I've said to Spencer, we cannot say thank you enough. Even if we've said it a million times, we say it a million and one, because we are so grateful. This was an idea that we had. Literally 24 hours before the recording. So, everything you heard, all the script, all the reviews, everything was literally whipped together in 24 hours. I am so proud of Spencer and so incredibly grateful to Robbie for joining us. Anyways, you can find us on the social medias at Thrash and Treasure on Twitter, at Thrash and Treasure Podcast on Instagram. Plus, we're on Facebook as well as under Blooming Theatricals and on YouTube, where you will find video versions of all our podcast episodes. It is only the logo, because these recordings are at ridiculous hours for me in Australia. I am not having the world see me at that time. Anyways, I am digressing. You can catch Spencer on his podcast, and the EGOT goes too. And if you're a huge fan of television, or even cinema and music, he's looking for a panel of people to join the team, to appear on the Emmys portion and then later on the Oscars and the Grammys portion. They will be done a little bit different to how the Tony Awards was done due to how the awards are set up. Anyway, so if you're good with any of those topics or just watch a lot of them, you love those award shows, hit up Spencer at SpencerShare underscore, that's S-H-E-R, and let him know that you're up for that. We'll be back the 15th of July for the twenty-fifth anniversary of There's Something About Mary. Wonder why. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. You take care, and we shall see you next time. Over. Awesome.
0: I think it's great.
2: And